Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Stephanie Carton, co-host of the Entrepreneurista podcast. Every week, my co-host Courtney Spritzer and I speak with inspiring female founders and leaders about how they built and scaled their businesses embraced failure, and have celebrated their successes. These women share their unfiltered views about what it takes to be your own boss. And spoiler alert, it may not be as glamorous as it looks on Instagram. You will hear the stories from some of the top female-led brands, including Urban Decay, Rebecca Minkoff, Lively, and Beauty Counter. Subscribe to the Entrepreneurista podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or sign up to get episodes straight to your email inbox at entreprenista.com. You can also join our Instagram community and follow us for daily business inspiration at Entreprenistas. That's E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-I-S-T-A-S. This will be the most fun business meeting you'll ever have. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Daphne Oz has been dishing out healthy living tips since she was a student at Princeton and writing her first book, The Dorm Room Diet, which brought wholesome eating to college campuses everywhere. Fast forward to 2020, and she's penned three best-selling cookbooks, won an Emmy, hosted a hit TV show by the likes of Chew and Dish on Oz, and served as a MasterChef junior judge. That's just her day job. As a mother of four, she's proven that you can have a very successful career and be a present mom. But as she'd say, the difference between doing it all and having it all is just a shift in perspective. I'm so excited to sit down with her today and talk about what it takes to build her impressive career, 
how she's avoiding burnout as a working mom, and why she's wielding her influence for good. So let's welcome Daphne Oz. So excited to be chatting with you. (laughs) It's a fireside chat. I brought my tea. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. Um, If it was later, I would have brought wine, but you know. (laughs) Yes. I mean, these are how we measure the days. Uh, It's truly by our coffee, tea, and our wine. So let's dive right in. You know, you wrote your first book, The Dorm Room Diet, while you were still in college and literally living in a dorm room. So beyond impressive, but what compelled you to write this book and how did it lead you to where you are today in your career? The, what compelled me to write the book was I was looking for a book just like it and it didn't exist. So I thought, you know, I can't be the only college student who really wants to seize this freedom and this opportunity to, to harness my health as opposed to flushing it down the toilet with, uh, you know, the freshman 15, et cetera. So, you know, I, I was very overweight as a kid. And I think that's something that's always a little bit surprising to people when they learn, because they assume growing up at Dr. Oz's dinner table, that every eating choice I ever made was a healthy one. And the reality is I'm the oldest of four. My mom is one of six and I was always with her family too. So cooking and eating together was always a party. It was a production. Being in that environment was always the happiest and best place to be. So I eat really healthy foods, but I eat too much of them and too often and with too much gusto and having too much fun. And and I really wanted to hold on to that. I really wanted to hold on to my love of cooking, my love of eating, my love of feeding, but figure out a way to do it in a way that wasn't going to sacrifice my health or my ability to succeed. You know, I felt this in the classroom where I couldn't focus because I wasn't fueling my body the right way. I felt it on the sports field and, and later in life, you know, there's a million other ways you feel it when you're not taking great care of yourself. So All to say, I wrote The Dorm Room Diet because I ended up losing 40 pounds my freshman and sophomore year in college without ever giving up the like major notes of the college experience, the keggers and the beer parties and the pizza parties and all the things you want to do, which was really important to me. I, I talk about this all the time that I needed it to be happy and healthy. I needed it to fit into the life and the life experience and the filling of the memory box that was so critical and important to me. And it really was just a matter of being prepared. I mean, I think so much of, you know, any sort of, long and committed journey you go on. If you're going to be successful, you have to make it fun. So you want to come back to it and you want, you want to commit, you want to make it easy as possible. And part of making it as easy as possible is setting yourself up for success. And that's preparation. So it was things like avoiding danger zones where I knew it was really easy to overeat or to eat the wrong things, preparing myself when I knew I would have like a late study night or be, you know, for today, everyone sitting at home in quarantine, you know, you're sitting at home and boredom is like the worst possible way that we all hit the snack drawer. And so just prepping and, and stocking your cabinets with things that you that are front and center, the first things you see inspire you to eat well. Those are tips and tools that I developed in college that have served me my entire life. And you said, you know, you wrote it in college. I mean, that was the most important thing. I was speaking to, I knew this person I was speaking to because she was me. I, I knew exactly what you struggled with. I knew exactly how tempting things were. And I knew really great strategies to get you through them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it resonates now, I feel like more than ever when we're all home, just opening up our cabinets. But (laughs) fast forward to 2020, and you've penned three different cookbooks. So can you tell us a little bit of the process of writing a cookbook? What goes into making a cookbook successful, all the ingredients, all the measurements, all the things? Can you talk a little bit about that? For me, all my cookbooks start with me just keeping like a running list of all the meals I eat and love. (laughs) And and that's a great way to get inspired. I also collect cookbooks. I mean, I, I read food news and blogs and things. And so I am always soaking up little bits and pieces 
I'll look back at that list and I'll start to distill out what was it about this meal that was so special to me? What did I really love? What could I not live without? Are there things I could swap in or out to make it a little healthier, a little better, a little easier? You know, my friend, Michael Simon, he's an iron chef. We hosted the Chew together. He would always tease me because at the time I started hosting the Chew when I was like 24. And at the time when you're really trying to prove yourself and prove your chops, you know, it's like throw everything in, get, get everything in this salad. I mean, he would tease me. I would have like 25 ingredient salads. And he would always say, oftentimes it's the simplest ingredients prepared beautifully that are the most satisfying meals. And I really held on to that, A, because it makes it less complicated. It makes it a lot easier on us as the cooks and more pleasurable on us as the eaters. And so I'll like whittle down recipes, make them simpler, but hold on to whatever it is that's going to make it a really spectacular, special and memorable meal. Then I will put my little spin on it, like my Daphneisms. I love herbs. I love a little spice, I love citrus. I love like fatty, salty, creamy things. <laughs> and you know, I'm a, I've figured out ways to get maximum indulgent punch for minimum expenditure in terms of like calories. And, and yeah, I don't count calories, but in terms of thinking thoughtfully about what's going to really make a difference and count for me. And then I work with an amazing recipe tester and we perfect and perfect and perfect and tweak and make it something that my hope always when I put a cookbook out is that it's going to go home with you and you're going to want to get the pages dirty and cook from it all the time and make these recipes your own. And most importantly, have them make you look really good. Like confidence from being in the kitchen and making the kitchen your kingdom is my number one goal for anybody taking home one of my cookbooks. Let's take a quick break to chat about one of today's sponsors, Skillshare. If we've learned one thing from 2020, it's that time is what we make of it. Work Party listeners, we know how eager you are to learn, and we have the perfect resource to help you expand your skill set in 2021. Meet Skillshare, an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. No matter your area of expertise or seniority level, the platform has something for everyone. As a CEO, leadership is a topic that I'm always interested in expanding my knowledge on. Skillshare is brimming with classes on leadership, including one of my personal faves on modern leadership led by Claire Liu. She discusses the importance of healthy feedback loops and the impact that giving honest feedback has on being an effective leader. And leadership is just one topic that Skillshare has to offer. Choose from classes in graphic design, photography, creative writing, web development, and so much more. To all of our listeners who are working to grow their business or fuel their side hustle, Skillshare is the resource for you. Beyond the educational appeal, Skillshare is incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. It's time to bring color, beauty, and fun to your year. Add vivid details and craft complex wonders. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash party and get a free trial of premium membership. That's skillshare.com slash party. And now let's get back to our own party work party. I love it. And you know, you're not only a New York Times bestselling author, as you mentioned, you are on television, you're an Emmy award-winning TV host. So was working in TV always something that you wanted to do? And how did those opportunities arise? I love getting to work on TV. I think it's such a, it's an incredible media platform because especially the work that I've done, which is a lot of food TV, obviously, and a lot of daytime TV, some primetime now I'm, I'm the new um, judge on MasterChef Junior, actually. So that's a slightly different audience than usually I'm on the, you know, more daytime. And also with Food Network, I've done some primetime there too. But 
with that setup, it's really about getting to be friends with the, with the audience, with the viewer. I mean, you're lucky they're inviting you into their home to have lunch with them, to, you know, to hang out and be part of their day. And you're having conversations that are very much like what you'd be having with a friend. And I think that being able to have that conversation with that many people at once in a really personal way, it just feels so, it wakes me up inside. It makes me happy and filled up every day. So I love being able to do it. I will say, I don't think it's possible to ever have had that goal because it's such a like hurry up and wait game. I mean, there's no way to guarantee you can want it as badly as you, as anyone, but there's, you know, there, you have to be in the right place at the right time with the right skill set, with the right producer, with the right opportunity, the right network. I mean, everything has to come. It, it just feels like such a gift. Anytime something like that comes together. Um, so I will say after dorm room diet, I did a pretty lengthy book tour. I spoke at a lot of college campuses. I did a lot of TV from that. And that was definitely where I thought the bug bit me of just loving the experience and the response of being on TV and getting to, you know, have that, that intimate relationship in a very immediate way, getting that job with the two, especially at such a young age and having it really be my first experience on TV. I am so grateful for that because it was, I mean, you asked how it happened. I was part of like an open cattle call, you know, three or 400 people. I mean, it's, it felt like anyone who'd ever touched food was in this room trying to be a part of a food talk show for the first time ever. It was really, I mean, the chew was such a novel format. It, for those who didn't see it, it was really like the view at a kitchen table, cooking, eating friends who genuinely loved each other, hanging out and, and sharing recipes and you know, like a family would, we had our little spats and we had our funny moments. It was just really comforting TV. And for me personally, I got to learn from these incredible veterans of the business and they really brought me along in a huge way. Um, I went back to culinary school after I'd been hosting the show for a year, actually. So I, I also really got to expand my culinary chops. I wanted to be able to present healthy food in a way that felt on par with all the other indulgent, gorgeous foods we were showing and really to give my, my goal always was if I could give the viewer one recipe they could reliably make and love that was more good for them than bad, then I'd done my job. That was really what I was going after. But the process of getting on the show was insane. I mean, it was 400 people. They sat us at tables and we just were supposed to like chat about, you know, did you like Dijon mustard or grain mustard? You know, what did you think of people who ate uh, chicken wings with forks and knives? Like it was the craziest questions. And it was all just to get a sense of how you chatted and how you spoke to people and how you listened. That being on TV, if you want to be on TV, if you want to even have a chance at it, you know, having a perspective is really important and practicing is really important. We set your, everyone obviously has done plenty of this with, with selfies now, but like set your camera up and talk to your camera and get comfortable with that. And, and then be a good listener. I think that is the number one skill set that has served me on, on those various platforms I got to be a part of. And let's talk a little bit about confidence because obviously getting in front of the camera, getting in front of a college auditorium filled with students, Take a lot, you know? So for someone who maybe is lacking on confidence, what tips would you give them if they're nervous to step in front of the camera or do public speaking? <laughs> well, I hope you'll look at me as like your guinea pig because I was the most painfully shy. I loved adults. I was always an old soul. My mom had me when she was 22 and I was always at my grandparents' house and hanging with my older uh, uncles and aunts. And I always wanted to be with grownups. And I had a really hard time relating to my peers. And imagine, if you will, someone who was already painfully awkward and uncomfortable being with her peers, then having to talk about her weight loss journey to like auditoriums full of them. It was incredible trial by fire to really learn how to tell my story authentically, because 
the reward and the feeling that I got from doing that of seeing that everybody sitting there wanted to learn from what my experience had been. Everybody sitting there felt on the same level and like they'd been through something similar or were, were experimenting with something similar. And it was such an incredible example of what happens when you are vulnerable. I think a lot of us, you know, confidence stems from, I think, ease, right? It's when you feel easy in your skin. It's when you feel, and for me, that's felt, I felt the most confident when I feel like I'm sharing valuable information that's going to make a positive impact on someone's life who's listening to me. And from being prepared, I think, like I said, you know, set up your camera and talk to it all the time. And you will get much more comfortable talking to a camera because you'll be able to rely on the fact that you've done it a million times before. There's no, and, and by the way, that also makes you better at dealing with surprises. Like you, you know, being able to trust yourself. And that's the funny part is people who do it really well, make it look easy. Right. And you think ease is it's easy. It's not ease takes work. It takes practice. It takes effort. And it, and it's by being prepared and feeling comfortable in your skin through that preparation and through the knowledge that you're doing what you're, what you're good at. Like I think gives you confidence, but I also feel strongly that confidence isn't a destination. Like you don't get there and then, you know, put up your feet and hang out every day. You got to pay the dues, right? Like every day you have to catch yourself. If there's negative self-talk that's happening, you have to set yourself up to in a place that you feel really good about. And that's why I talk so much about body positivity. And I talk so much about self-care because I think it's so easy to forget that the world sees you and talks to you kind of the way you see and talk to yourself. And so you have to, you have to live it first. Yeah, absolutely. And that is so true. You have to pay the dues all day, every day. But I want to talk a little bit about social media. So you've built this massive platform. You have nearly half a million followers on Instagram and you, you know, share your holistic approach to healthy living, both in and out of the kitchen, as you mentioned, self-care, et cetera. So your holistic approach and wide reach on social media has also opened up doors for sponsored opportunities with big name brands. How do you choose which brands to collaborate with and what makes for a successful partnership for you? It's funny. I mean, social media, you're really just talking to people, right? They're your friends. You, you talk to each other every day about everything. Um, these are people who've gotten to see me as a newlywed, as a mom of one, as a mom of two and three and four, ups and downs, in-betweens. So, you know, choosing who to align myself with in a sponsorship capacity it has the same cadence as that. It's really wanting to share from my everyday life. Most of my partners are either brands that I know and love and use every day in my regular life, or they're something that I think really has a lot to offer my audience. I feel really grateful for and respectful of the time of my people. I feel like something that I always talk about because it makes me so proud is that the audience that follows me really cares about information. They want to know the details. like They want to ask the questions and they want to learn the process and they want a novel perspective on something. They want to be taught something. And I think that's such a gift and such a responsibility on me to really make sure that I leverage anything I'm talking about in a way that's positive for my audience and in a way that they know it, I, I would never ever rep for something that doesn't feel like it'd be a great part of my life too. And so I, I feel really lucky, especially with you know big brands, the beauty of the beauty of working with small companies is sometimes I get to be a part of their growth process and I get to be a part of supporting young businesses and um, women-led businesses, I get to be a part sometimes of crafting their journey, which I'm, I love that entrepreneurship part of it. And, and it's sometimes like exposing you to a little niche thing that people didn't hear about, which I think that little discovery piece keeps people interested too. But partnering with big brands, uh, you know, I'm here today, I'm an ambassador for Avino Hair Care, their first ever ambassador actually, which is amazing. 
because I love their farm to shower philosophy. I love the idea that, you know, I obviously live and breathe food and I care a lot about what I put into my body and the quality of those ingredients. And I source them specially. And I, I don't want to tell you about something you'll never be able to find or get. I want you to be able to participate in these things. And that's a lot of what, you know, the, the Venn diagram I go through in my brain when I, when I choose very selectively who to partner with, it has to meet those criteria. Let's take a quick pause from today's episode to chat about Uber for business. Hey, we're living through unprecedented times. Many of us are grappling with both personal and professional struggles right now, which is why prioritizing employee and customer happiness is more important than ever. The tricky part is finding a simple yet effective way to do so when in-person interactions are limited. Well, look no further because there's a new Uber in town. It's called Uber for Business, and it offers a solution to stand out to your customers or make employees feel more valued. Maybe you're struggling to keep your employees engaged during virtual meetings. Well, with vouchers for Uber for Business, you can add $20 to your team's personal Uber account so they can easily order meals through Uber Eats before the meeting. Or maybe you're looking for fresh ways for your business to grab customers' attention. Make them love your business even more by offering them a voucher for a free meal or ride when they make their first purchase or spend a certain amount. It's time to start delivering extra value to people who matter most to your business. Signing up for Uber for Business is free and vouchers are simple to send and to redeem. Your business will have total control over who receives them, when they expire, and what portion of the ride or meal your gifting will be covered. Vouchers are shared via email or text and can be redeemed with a single tap. Best of all, you only pay for the rides the recipients actually take or the meals they actually order. Right now, Uber for Business is offering companies a $50 voucher credit when you spend your first $200 with vouchers. Go to uber.com slash work party to learn more. That's uber.com slash work party for a $50 voucher credit. Uber.com slash work party terms and conditions apply. Brand partners like Uber Business are how we keep work party up and running. Show your support by giving them love too. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes total sense. And, you know, there's this kind of conversation happening where obviously, you know, you don't want to alienate your community uh, or lose their confidence in you because you're monetizing your account. So how do you find that balance? And what is your approach to sponsored posts and content? It's so important because on the one hand, sponsored posts are always, in my case, supposed to be in my perfect world, as valuable, fun, interesting, you know, you'd be curious about them the same way you are about my regular everyday stuff. But it's, it's, it goes back and forth. I think that the most important piece is to make sure that, that you listen to the audience, that you pay attention to how they're feeling. And, you know, I'm surprised sometimes I'm like, Oh, I think they're going to love this. And they don't, or sometimes I think that they're going to, they won't understand. And then it's like, I get to teach about something that I love and I'm passionate about. And it just booms. And I think that's, really fun for me. You know, I've worked hard at this because I think it's really important to have a positive social media experience to cultivate this community where everyone feels really safe and involved and, and, and that I care about people's give and take. I love when there's in the comment section, people will be answering each other's questions. Like they'll be going back and forth about how they use something or how they've tried something novel or what their family thinks of it. And that to me is the whole point. It's supposed to be a conversation. It's two way. I really strive to pay close attention. And like I said, I'm the first filter. Like I am the first guinea pig. So if it doesn't pass my litmus test, if I wouldn't genuinely use it in my everyday life, if I wouldn't genuinely be excited to learn about it from a friend, I would never put it up on my feed. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about the the dark side, right? So as a public figure, you've definitely had to navigate being scrutinized by true virtual strangers on social media. So how do you handle <laughs> negativity in the comments? And what advice do you have for 
you know, creating that self-love despite haters in your comments. Okay. So this is super important and I'm going to say it first and then I'll elaborate. You should never take with any, with more than a grain of salt, anyone's opinion or perspective who you wouldn't value their opinion or perspective in real life. Like these are, you know, there, there is, there are going to be professional trolls and haters who are going to say horrible things to you. And it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not, like it hits the same, no one wants to feel judged by someone they don't know. They don't, you know, they, they feel opened up, they feel vulnerable and then they get judged and it feels terrible. What I will say is I've developed a super thick skin via, you know, my first couple of years at the Chew. I, like I said, I was 24. I was a kid. I really was sort of building my life experience. I, I, I was still very much young and, and wet behind the ears. And I was learning how to be on TV at the dawn of social media. So as you can imagine, I definitely got my fair share of nasty comments and things that made me feel like total crap. And they really sat hard because I was like, oh my God, I, I'm not that person. Like, what are you talking? You know, we all feel that urge to defend ourselves and to be like, you don't know me. <laughs> and you have to remember, they don't know you. I mean, they, they, they see what they think they see or, or they don't see anything at all. They're just professional trolls. But I think I got really comfortable at a certain point, just realizing that you're not going to make everyone happy. And if you do make everyone happy, it, it's, at the expense of you living your whole life fully. Like you gotta, you gotta lean hard into the things you authentically believe in. You've got to really truly be who you are and stand up for those things. Because I think the only time you really feel weird or icky is when you've done something you don't, that doesn't sit well with you. And then there's, you know, bad responses to that. You know, like I said, have been fortunate over the last call it 10 years, I've been building this community that it really, it has sort of naturally whittled itself into this positive, happy place where people come to be inspired. They come to learn, they come to like, look at cute toddler pictures or funny, you know, whatever things are happening in my life. And, um, and there's, there's not a lot of room for people who want to judge someone else's actions or judge someone else's attempts to make the most of their life and fill their memory box. Because I think that everyone who's part of this community is doing that in their own lives. Like they're too busy to say or think negative things about someone else's life. Yeah. So as a mom of four, you've also proven that you can be very successful career-wise and also be a present mother. But as your Instagram can attest, life can get messy. It's not always picture perfect, but that's okay. So how do you handle those days when things maybe don't go as planned? (laughs) We have been through a crazy year together. I think parents especially have realized that whatever they thought gave their life structure and organization and like some kind of a break here and there uh, went out the window. And I, I really do feel like, you know, I get asked all the time, like, how do you balance? You know, how do you have it all kind of like in the world of trying to have a career and have your family and be a woman and like own your identity and do the things that are important for you to do for yourself and in your own life. And I would never lie and say that like I figured it out because the reality is it's cal- it's recalibration all the time. There are days where I'm an A grade mother and a B grade employee and a C grade wife and like whatever. It, it all the all the relationships that you have, all the roles that we fill, the way that we perform them is constantly recalibrating because that is how you find balance. Some days you really have to pour yourself into work or you have to pour yourself. Right now, I think there's a lot of parents whose kids are out of school and they're just you are a full-time distance learning specialist and it is great, you know? And I felt that in like April and May, when, when that was the case with me and my kids, it was really hard for me to, as someone who's an overachiever by nature, in terms of like, I, I want to give it my all. I want to 
finish everything. I want to do it all, even though I never actually do. I mean, my to-do list is hilariously like never ending, but it, but it really sat badly with me that like, I couldn't answer all the emails or that I couldn't do the things I needed that I thought I needed to do. And what has helped me gain a little sanity back is figuring out how to reprioritize what actually needs to get done in light of the fact that these are things that cannot be sacrificed. Like I, you know, these are things my family needs, my kids need, et cetera. Being a little more gentle with myself, which I realize is easier said than done. Women can do everything. And we know that about ourselves. And we have this incredible desire to live into that entire capacity, but um, we can also really burn ourselves out fast. And I think that's why I do advocate for the self-care component, because I think that we need to hear it from other moms that like, it's the only way that you're able to pull the amount of energy and fun that you're, that you need to have as a mom is if you're feeling filled up too. And, um, and I think sometimes we have, we, it's all too easy for us to work ourselves into depletion. And, uh, and I think it can be something as simple as like 10 minutes of listening to a podcast or doing a face mask or uh, a 10 minute workout routine, which is like my new thing. I do bursts of 10 minute workouts here and there really crazy hit like high intensity jumps and burpees and whatever. And I look insane doing it, but it makes me feel amazing and it makes me feel productive and it makes me feel like I'm doing a little something for myself. And it definitely makes me feel a little more toned up and like strong in my skin, which is really important for me. And I, I think that we have to remember that we're the life vest, right? Like we have to, we have to be working and in working order to save and protect and help and nourish everybody that we take care of. Let's take a brief pause from today's interview to talk about pet care. For all the pet parents out there, myself included, working from home has been wonderful in the added time it gives us to spend with our four-legged family members. Instead of seeing my pups a few hours a day during the work week, we're virtually together all the time, and I love it. This extra time has allowed us as pet owners to better understand our pet's daily needs, health issues, and overall well-being. If during all this time at home, you've noticed that your beloved pet is itchy or smells less than pleasant, then I highly recommend you check out Scout's Honor, which is my go-to brand for pet wellness. Their grooming products have done wonders for my dogs, especially Noah, who suffers from itchy skin. Scout's Honor provides itch relief, keeps unwanted odors at bay, and promotes clean, healthy coats. Scout's Honor's probiotic grooming products are a scientifically proven natural solution for treating your pet skin problems. When applied to the skin, probiotics support healthy bacteria and fight against the bad bacteria that causes irritation. Choose from their selection of amazing fragrances. My personal fave is Honeysuckle. And know that with every purchase, Scout's Honor provides one day's worth of meals for a rescue animal in need. Ugh, I just love that so much. With Scout's Honor, your pet will never look, feel, or smell better. Check out all of their award-winning products today, available online or wherever pet supplies are sold. As a pet parent and a dog mom, we owe it to our animals to use products that put their health and happiness first. To receive 20% off your first order, go to scoutshonor.com slash work party. Remember, that's scouts with a K at scoutshonor.com slash work party for 20% off your first order. Scouts Honors, natural and preventative grooming solutions for pets. As you mentioned with COVID, it's been especially tough on working moms and on everyone, you know, frankly, due to increased housework and the caregiving, all the different things. But you mentioned some of your self-care rituals that you've kind of done, but are there any products or self-care finds that you've picked up specifically during quarantine that you're obsessed with and that you've been partaking in? Self-care. So the the 10 minute workouts that I didn't used to subscribe to. I used to be like, if it's not, you know, 45 minutes, it doesn't count. That was kind of like pre-kids, but but you know, it's been getting like less and less as I've gone. 
it has led to me to believe so much that, you know, it's sort of the, replicating the way humans probably used to do it, where you'd have 10 minutes where you'd really work hard and then, you know, you'd go back to the cave and 10 minutes you really work hard and come back to the cave. The results that I've seen from it have boggled the mind and really made it much more manageable for me to try to get a sweat in every day. I am a co-owner of a clean and vegan and cruelty-free beauty brand called Loom Beauty. Um, and so I have to say that their mini facial is a game changer for me. I use it at least a couple of times a week and our masks take two to three minutes. So it's one of those things that like when I'm getting ready to go to bed, I don't want a long skincare ritual. I want to go to sleep. So I'll, I'll do my shower. I'll put my mask on for two minutes. I'll take it off, moisturize, go to bed. It makes me feel like I did a little something extra. This is actually something I have changed that has made a big difference. Like I mentioned, I have this never ending to-do list, but I do find when I schedule things, I'm that much more likely to get to them. So I've started scheduling 15 minutes before I want to go to bed or 20 minutes before I want to go to bed, me time or just like rest time, time to sort of simmer down from the day and do the mask or do the yoga flow or read my book or listen to a podcast or flip through a magazine, like whatever it is that I feel at that moment, watch TV that I need to do. And because it's in my calendar, I feel like I, I owe it to myself to get to that point and, you know, to get, and it's something I look forward to all day. There's like fun anticipation to it. So that has been something that's really helped a lot. And it's after the kids go to bed and it's, you know, not too much of a time commitment that you're, that you're not going to want to stick with it. The person who inspired me to do it, they use it to meditate in. And I think that's whatever it is that gets your head in the right space to do the creative daydreaming and thinking and, and brainstorming you do overnight and, and to give yourself that little bit of self-love right before you go to sleep, I think is, um, I think it goes a long way. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about advice. Obviously you've been very successful from a very young age. What advice would you give yourself with the knowledge that you have now to your younger self? Like what would that advice be? So my usual answer to this question is to not worry because I, my mom said this to me and it still holds so true many years later. It, worrying is just a prayer for the worst possible outcome. And I do have a tendency to worry and to perseverate and like overthink things. And you don't change anything by doing that. You just exhaust yourself of valuable energy and do this like psycho torture brain thing with like no outcome other than just living through something horrible that doesn't actually ever happen. My advice today is going to be actually uh, just to have fun. Like I, and I really think I did do this, but to realize that everything happens very quickly. I mean, you wake up and it's been a year of doing whatever you're doing or two years or three years or four years and to have fun in each part of it as much as you can do and to soak up whatever you can learn from that moment, I think is really important. And my advice would be to my younger self pre-kids that, that like you have no time to waste. You have to travel as much as you can. You have to like stay up late as often as you can make crazy choices as often as you can. There's no time for early bedtimes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love it. So you discovered your passion for cooking and healthy living early on. Um, one of the questions we get a lot at Create and Cultivate is about women who haven't found their passion yet. So what advice would you give for someone who doesn't know what they want to do or what, you know, kind of road they want to go mm. down? What would your advice be? Oh, this is such a valuable question. Uh, you know, I've, I'm the oldest of four. I've got two little sisters and a brother who are definitely in that sort of self-discovery phase. And something that it's taught me is I think we're always in that self-discovery phase. Like I never feel like I've stopped growing. Like I, like there isn't a chance I could pivot and try something totally new. I remember feeling so stressed for such a long time that I, that I, you know, in college that I hadn't like picked a career path that I wasn't preparing myself with a skill set. I think it was almost by virtue of having a open mind and having 
like being able to sort of keep myself prepared. And my dad used to say to me, you can't catch the ball if you're not standing on the field. And, you know, as a, as a dad who had three girls and then his son at the end and like really wanted to relate to us on on sports analogies, that was the only one that ever sunk through to me, but it makes sense. It's like you, if you don't have the skill set, if you haven't been keeping yourself prepared, if you haven't been keeping your eyes open and your eyes on the ball, you're never going to catch it when it's flying through the air. And so many of the things that have happened in my life have been lucky, absolutely, and and have also been the product of me being prepared and in the right place at the right time. And I think um, for if you're still trying to source your passion, if you're still trying to put your finger on what it is that you think you are going to love, it's I think two things are important. Number one is where do you think you stand to make the greatest contribution, the most you know, the gift to the universe? Like what what is it that you truly feel? you're called to do or you're best able to do. And, and that's something that I've really, you know, getting busier and busier has been really important for me to figure out is, is how to whittle down what I say yes to, to only the things I feel like if I'm able to pour my all into this, do I think I'll be able to excel? And do I have time to pour my all into it? So finding that thing and then being open to it changing. Like I think part of people get terrified by the idea that you have to stick with it for the rest of your life. I think if anything, right now, people have shown us that you're allowed to be a multi-hyphenate. You're allowed to change your idea of, of who you are. And, um, and so, you know, you're making a commitment to be as great at it as possible for now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree on that. So obviously we're in the middle of COVID-19 and there's so much that's going on, but this is a big reminder for us that despite our best efforts, things do not go as planned. So what keeps you inspired and motivated to keep going even on the most challenging days? You know, I, I learn a lot from my kids in this sense. Kids are so resilient and they are so able to adapt to whatever life presents them with. They also take a lot of their cues from you as the grown up in the room. And I think I recognize that I've had to put some preference on getting my head in a good space and feeling whatever sense of agency I can feel in the moment so that my kids feed off that sense of security from me and from my husband. So it's, that's really important to me. I think it's just a matter of really paying attention to how you feel in a situation. So you can only do what you can do. I think it's a matter of making it bite-sized, making it something that you feel you can tackle, that you feel like giant, enormous tasks when you break them down into do this first and this first and this become really manageable. And I think that's been how I've, I've really tried to organize my brain so that I can take on what sometimes does feel like this, uh, you know, we don't know the end dates. We don't know how long or how much it's going to ask of us. And I, I think making it manageable, getting my head in a good space, seeing how I feel in a situation, seeing if there really is something I can do differently. And if not, you know, kind of blessing and releasing it into the universe and, and waiting to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to end with some rapid fire sentence finishers. Are you Fun. ready? I'm ready. Let's do okay. it. The highlight of my career to date has been Announcing my first pregnancy on The Chew was probably, probably like up there. Winning an Emmy at The Chew was way up there. Getting to host MasterChef Junior eight months pregnant with my fourth kid was, was way up there. I love it. When I make time for self-care, I... Watch Netflix in bed while doing a face mask and going to sleep before 9.30. Sounds like a dream a night to a dream. Me. Plus wine or tequila. I'll take either. Fine. Yes, absolutely. The number one tip for cultivating confidence is set yourself up for success. Don't be afraid to prepare and talk nicely to yourself. 
And success is success is health and happiness and people to love. Amazing. Thank you so much, Daphne. This was awesome. And thank you, Jacqueline. No hair as well. Yeah. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.